This episode of Bass Freaks is brought to you by Dunlop Bass Strings. Dunlop Bass Strings are made in California and designed by the players at Dunlop to sound and feel the way a string should. With deep lows, strong fundamental punchy mids, and articulate highs. Dunlop Bass Strings offer a complete line with standard nickel and stainless round wounds, flat wounds, and super brights. They're also available in short, medium, and long scales. So go to jimdunlop.com and check out Dunlop Bass Strings. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Dunlop Presents Bass Freaks. We're grateful to be back for another season. The Bass Freaks podcast is a place to gain some insight and inspiration, as well as learn a little something about some truly amazing bass players. I'm your host, Josh Paul, and our guest today is Scott Devine. Now, Scott is a well-respected bassist from the UK who's toured and recorded all over Europe. Uh, after years of doing that, he decided to settle down and focus on teaching and sharing his knowledge and experiences with others. The result of that is Scott's Bass Lessons, SBL, one of the most successful online bass lesson platforms ever. Woo! Welcome, Scott. How are you, man? I'm great, man. Hey, Josh, I'm a massive fan of your play, man. You are ferocious. Oh, my <gasps> gosh. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. Thank you, man. Oh, dude. Dude, you are so... Like, honestly, when I see your videos on Instagram, I'm like, oh, yeah. I just like, <laughs> I know it's coming. I don't think uh, I've ever watched one of your videos and just thought, oh, every single one, I'm just like, oh, so good. Dude, yeah, thank dude. you so much, man. I, oh, I man, really you're killing it. it. You're killing it. But yeah, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. I'm sat, sat in my garden. The, uh, the birds are singing in the trees. Spring's on its way. The leaves are coming back. It's a, it's a great day. Actually... My my wife and I can't I can't be too happy. My wife's got COVID and my daughter's got COVID as oh. well. They're doing that whole thing, but it's cool. I'm sort of like I'm, I'm hiding out in the shed over here. And you've managed <laughs> to dodge it thus far. Yeah, dude. Yeah, okay. like I'm dodging okay. this one. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's been an interesting ride with it. But uh, and and my daughter obviously is like you know like really young, doesn't really care about not running up and jumping on me and stuff like that. So I'm probably going to get it. She's sort of like, I've had sort uh, of like, yeah, she'd been wrestling me and stuff like that. She actually hasn't had any, she doesn't feel kind of like grotty or, or down at all. But my wife is like, she's getting kicked in the ass by it. Oh yeah. man. Well, I wish a speedy recovery for them and, and uh, hopefully you will not get it. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know. I kind of feel left out. Have you heard it? <laughs> I, man, I've had it twice. Exactly. You know, yeah. you've had it. Like, I yeah. feel like I'm the last one on the, the end of the line. I'm like, come on. You know, <laughs> maybe I don't want to know what it's like. By the, right. you know, looking at my wife, I probably don't want to know what it's like. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. Let's, let's try to keep us all in good health and good spirits as much as possible. But let's yeah. talk about bass and you. Let's do it. All right. So give us a little background on uh, Scott Devine before SBL. What drew you to the bass? Oh, like how I got into the bass and stuff like that? Yeah. Like right back? Oh, So, so where, where was that moment where you were just like, oh my God, that's it. That's what I want to do. Yeah, I've got it. By the way, before I get into this, there's a bumblebee rocking around my room. I've, got, I've just got to call it out in <laughs> case anybody hears it in the background. It's a bumblebee, like... He it keeps coming in. He's like a he's like a sparrow. He's that big. He's like oh my gosh. So yeah. Anyway, I'll talk about bass. Please ignore the buzzing in the background. So <laughs> the first time I got into bass, so I, I I got into it by accident. I actually um, originally was a guitar player when I was around 13, 14, Started playing guitar and and kept that going until I was around seventeen. 
And, and, and during sort of like the ages of like, I don't know, 13, 14, 2, 17, I kind of, kind of came off the tracks a little bit, you know, didn't do great at school and, and was really searching, searching with what to, you know, what to do with my life. I definitely wasn't that kid who was like, yeah, I've got this plan. I'm going to do this thing. It's going to, I was like the opposite of that. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I play guitar and that's about it. And, and at the time, I didn't know anything about being a professional musician because I was li- I lived in the back end of Beyond, man. There was like, you know, there was a lot of sheep <laughs> there. There was like a few, a, a few cows, you know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm not even joking. There's a lot of sheep where I come from. Um, <laughs> where, where, where do you come from? What? I come from Cumbria, which is the Lake District um, okay. in the UK. So if anybody's watched Game of Thrones, this is sort of like a cool fun fact. If any, like any Game of Thrones fans out there, the, the the north right so i that's where i come from the north and the wall actually did exist so the wall in game of thrones is actually based on hadrian's wall which did exist and it, and it actually divided um england from scotland uh. so it, yeah and the romans built that hundreds and hundreds of years ago obviously and uh, so i just came from just south of that wall so I'm, I'm just english but if i stretched my leg a little bit further out i would have been scottish so it was just <laughs> in fact the place that i was born kind of like rocked back and forward between england and scotland over hundreds of years they kept on stealing it from each other all that to say that um yeah i was a little bit lost when i was younger and ended up getting a job as a as a bass luthier and yeah, which is cool. You know, wow. started making bases and, and that was a whole adventure as well. Now, now and, did you, were you building bases yourself, your own designs or were you working for someone else or? I was working for somebody else. I was okay. working for a company called Overwater Bases, really fantastic company and uh, definitely worth checking out if you're, especially, you know, if you've not heard of them before, definitely worth um, taking a look. And, and the, the guy who owned the company, a beautiful guy called Chris May, he was a real, obviously, bass fanatic. And and he was playing me all of this cool stuff. You know, he was playing me Weather Report and he was playing me um, Brand X, which had like Phil Collins on drums. It was like our, nice. version, of, uh, our version of Weather Report, right? And uh, he was playing me all this cool stuff, Alan Holsworth Records. And, and then at the same time, a bunch of guys were coming up from the West End, which is our version of Broadway, uh, they were, and, and who were, we were making basses for. And I was kind of learning. I was like, oh, there's this thing called being a professional musician. It's got nothing to do with being in a famous band. It's like you can actually just, you know, do this thing for a living. And, and going through that, you know, process of meeting all of these individuals and working with Chris May at Overwater Basses, um, I guess sort of it just... It, it, there wasn't any kind of sort of like come to Jesus moment. Ah, I, I want to be a professional musician, but the, it kind of was with bass. Actually, I heard an Alan Holsworth record with a guy called Schoolie Sverison on it, who's an Icelandic player um, who lived in, I think that he lived in New York at the time, or at least I spent time with that out in New York later on. But he just, and it was a bass solo. I heard this freaking mental bass solo. I was like, what is that? It was like the, <laughs> freaking coolest thing i'd ever heard and really from that i think that those, those were the two things that crossed over that was that that was the whole sort of like come to base moment it was being influenced by my boss at the time and all of these great great players i was that were coming up to the shop who we were making bases for and then hearing this thing this solo that made me think, oh shit, this isn't all about root notes. This is, you can actually do this whole thing. 
And because you've got to remember for anybody listening, there was no internet, you know? So the, and, and it's, it's bizarre to say this now, but in the city there, well, the town where I lived, there was um, one tiny CD shop that I, I could go and buy, but they didn't have a, you know, a, like a, it was just all pop stuff, right? It was pop and rock and there was nothing really available there. So I really didn't have any exposure to any music other than the stuff that was at home or the stuff I was listening to with my school friends, which was like Pearl Jam, Nirvana, you know, like all of, all of the thing, like Stone Temple Pilots. Right. Goddamn love that band. Anyway, yes, so- Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So had this sort of like moment where I heard this bass player and I was like, okay, I'm going to go learn bass. So got a status four string off the wall. My boss said, yeah, take it home. You can, you know, do, do some stuff on it. I took it home and I just slapped it for like two weeks. <laughs> That's all I did. I was just like, who wants to play bass? <laughs> did all that. And then, and kind of just sort of like, you know, played a bass in, in a few bands. Fuck dude, I was so bad. It was just so bad. It was so bad. <laughs> what is your definition of bad? Because oh, I'm dude, sure it, it it changes from from person to person. So. Uh, it was it was next level. I've had I've had just such a wild journey in terms of like bad. I've just had so many bad experiences <laughs> with 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 my uh, trajectory as a professional musician. So, well, first of all, I didn't really have like nobody. I had no good bass players around me at all. In fact, I'm not sure I had any bass players except my boss at work and he couldn't really play, but he could play bass probably better than I could, but not that well. And, and other than that, like, you know, some people came to the shop, but that was maybe like two or three guys visiting per month. So I didn't really know what bass did or how it functioned within a band, within an ensemble, right? So I had no clue. So I kind of went out there and tried to do a few gigs with friends and they probably just thought, man, who's this busy bass player? Because I've been playing guitar. So uh, yeah, exactly. So I just came yeah. from the guitar background. And it, even though it's very similar, EADG, it doesn't translate in terms of function. It's a different, for me at least, I think that it's a different, um, I guess sort of like a different approach. You know, you really need to know how the instrument functions within the band um, when it comes to, you know, playing in a band as a bass player. So very rocky start. Definitely got sacked from a few gigs. Uh, yeah, two <laughs> what or three was the worst? Tell me the worst gig you ever had. Oh, dude, the, well, the worst gig I ever had is not is not one of them. That this is coming up. Okay. So okay. I, I did those, and then I randomly got a professional gig because somebody walked into the bass shop that was working in the making the bases. He had he had uh, something wrong with his lungs, and he was like, "Look, I'm working at a theater about thirty miles away." And I'm the bass player in the theater band and I need to go get this operation. I have nobody to cover me, nobody. And this is like a professional gig going on like six nights a week. Do you know anybody? Not to me. He was asking my boss actually, because he'd heard of the, of the shop and, and, and my boss was like, and honestly, like, fr frankly, he probably was thinking, I need to get this guy out of making bases because I was shit at making bases. <laughs> so he was like, yeah, I know a guy. He was he like, yeah, this guy, this guy right here, he could do it. And then he, so I, I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, I could do it because I was just sort of like young and full of, full of sort of like, you know, like I can do this vibes. Um, and so I ended up on that gig that it was horrendous. It was, dude. It's horrendous. Oh it's horrendous. And I ended up getting the gig actually and doing it for six months. Um, 
So it wasn't that bad then. It, it couldn't have been that bad if you kept the game. Dude, they, well, they couldn't They couldn't take anybody. They did, It was just sort of like in the middle of nowhere. They only had me. And even the drummer <laughs> said to me at one point, you know you're only on this gig, right? Because you are the only person we've got. Like, oh, the, like nobody terrible. will come and cover this gig. Yeah. And I was like, I know, man. But it was, even though I knew I was completely out of my depth, and there's various funny stories about my first gig, actually my first ever gig with it. I'm sitting there. The band was actually on the back of the theater stage and I had all of my, my music laid out just like just what, what seemed like hundreds of, of pages of notation. And, and the dancers came on stage and they had these massive feather sort of like things, you know, the huge sort of like eight foot feather things sticking like attached to their backs. And they so all kind of like a Vegas on, type show. Yeah, exactly okay. that. Okay. They all walked on stage and then flipped around at the same time. And when they flipped around, nobody had told me, Hey, you better, you might, you, you might want to sort of like put your hand on the music because there's going to be a big gust of wind. So they flipped around and all of the music for the entire pad just shot across the stage. <laughs> oh no. On my first gig, that was a, that was. How a, did you yeah. remedy that? Oh, what did dude, you do? It was bad. I, was, well, I mean, like when the, when the lights went down, I'm like on my hands and knees. I'm sort of like grabbing bits. I'm freaking dropping notes all over the. Oh, it was so bad. The only thing that I had going in my favor is that I didn't read bass notation at the time. I was okay. just like terrible. So I'd actually taken about three or four weeks off work and, and memorized as much as I could of the show. Just oh, like wow. try to memorize. I literally woke up in the morning, had my breakfast, sat down with the parts and the, and, and the tapes, because it was all tapes back then, yeah. and just shedded this stuff until lunchtime, had my lunch, and then lunch till 5, 6 p.m., same thing, shedding it, had, had, had my uh, my dinner in the evening and then shedded it until I went to bed. And I just did that for a week, like three or four weeks. So when that thing happened, I had sort of like enough committed to memory that I could yeah. just barely scrape through. So, man, yeah, you put in the work that for that one. You put in yeah, the work. Man, yeah, and it was, it was great. But on that gig, like that first gig when it went all right, that was the first moment I was like, oh, I'm going to be a professional musician. Nice. It was, even though I'd heard, oh yeah, there's this thing, you can be a professional musician. It hadn't actually sunk in until I went and did it. Like you can hear about something, but right. until you actually like, you know, you feel it and you taste it and you smell it, you actually, it doesn't seem real. I sound like that stage. I was like, holy shit. I was like, people do this for a, as, as like <laughs> they're living. Like this is like, you've got to remember, like I've been sanding bases like all week. It is hard. I have got like so much respect for luthiers out there because yeah. that is a hard, there was no CNC machines when I was doing it. I was like literally a rasp and grinding basses. So I just sat there and I was like playing, playing on this show. And I was like, Oh, my life's changed. So that's when I really started looking at, Hey, I'm going to become a professional musician and going on that whole thing. And I've had a lot of really, really, terrible stories uh, that are fun now but you know if you yeah. want to dig into any of those like my second professional gig yeah um uh was actually came from the same guy that i got the first one yeah, the, the guy with the uh uh the guy with the, the lung the lung issue and um and i and i went to the, he was like hey do you want to <laughs> he, he gave me and this is just shows how naive i was he like called me and he was like hey um there's a six-month cruise uh, going uh to the caribbean in in like three weeks time do you want to do you want the gig i was like what do you mean i didn't even know there was bands on cruises dude i was like <laughs> what he was like, You're yeah. like hell yes 
Oh, well, you know what? It's, well, it was it wasn't funny at the time, but I was like living with a girl, and uh, I mean, we had a place together. Oh, dude, I went anyway. I was just like, yeah, I'm going anyway. I was like, I went home and I was like, okay, good news, bad news, <laughs> good news, bad news. I was like, yeah. So anyway, but I went to the audition. The audition was this. This is my worst moment in in, in you know to your earlier question of like what what's the the worst sort of like work at worst gig or worst professional experience I've had. This is the worst experience. So I went to the audition and I sat, I walked into this little like studio and all of the rest of the band are there. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I'd played bass professionally on this theatre gig for like six months or however long it was, but it was just the same tunes over and over, right? It was every yeah. week we were just doing the same tunes. So I really didn't know how to function as a bass player yet. And I sat down um, and the, 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 the MD that had put the, this band together was a, and I didn't know this at the time, but he was renowned for being a monster, like a, in, in a bad way, not oh, like oh, monster oh, oh, player. not a player. Okay. Like, right. no, like a, a bit of, um, like a monster as, as like a, not a, not a great personality. Oh, in wow. fact, I actually had learned after this audition, the piano player that was in my audition told me this story where this, where, where this MD had actually got the guy's bass in the middle of the, in the break and th- opened the back door of the venue and thrown his bass into the street. Oh so my literally God. into the street. I just told the guy to get out, slam the door, and then he and then the key, he, like the MD just did the bass part in his left hand for the rest of the gig. Oh, like he was a brute. So anyway, wow. I knew none of this. So I'm wow. walking into this this okay. audition and I sat down and like I got handed a, like a load of parts, chord, chord charts, right? Chord charts. I'd never re- like read a chord chart in my life. Big problem. Okay, <laughs> so he's like hands me these chord charts, and he's like, okay, uh, so let's start off with a let's start off with a like a jazz tune, what standards do you know? And I was like, um, and then the keys player said, like said a name of a standard. I was like, yeah. Yeah, that one, that one. Yeah, that one, right, okay. So I didn't know any standards. I didn't know how to play walking bass at all. Like didn't know, no, no clue. All I knew is it sounded kind of chromatic when people did it. So they started playing this tune. I kid you not, I just started playing chromatically around the bass. It's random, right? Goes on for like 15 seconds. And the the MD is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I don't really know this tune. And he's like, you know, and and he's already pissed off. He's like, right, we'll do this. What tunes do you know? Uh, and then he says another tune. I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Same thing happens again. Same thing happens again. He stops the band. He's getting redder and redder. And he had white, white hair, white gray hair as well, which made his face look really red. I can remember looking at his face and thinking, oh, fuck, you look really pissed off. And he's make, made even worse by your white hair. Anyway. Ah, so, like a cartoon. And, That's funny. And then he's like, right, okay. He, he, he gets it. This kid can't play walking bass. He's like, so let's do a bossa. I, and I'm like, what's a bossa? Like at this point, he's just like beside himself. He's so pissed now, off. Now, how old are you at this point? I am about 21. And okay, he just so you- gives me this massive dressing down in front of the entire band. He's ah. like, what are you even effing do, doing here? Like, seriously. He was like pointing at everybody. And he's like, all of these guys have come here. They've taken time out of their day to be here for this audition and you turn up and you're a complete joke. And he was like, get, get out. Oh my God. Yeah. So I had to just like pack up my gear with everybody sitting there, like watching me. It was like awful. 
like and then i wandered out and i can remember like driving up the motorway like back home which which was like two hours away and just feeling like death like death man like so bad and i opened got home opened the door and the phone rang and i picked up the phone and it was the md and he said look he said you're going on that cruise and i was like what and he was like you're going on that cruise but he said but have no illusions that you will be sent home within the first few weeks but he said if you don't get on that ship with the band all of those guys are out of this gig and they've i mean they've put their they've put 6 months of work to 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 one side to go on this ship so you have to go on that ship but you will be fired i was like Okay. What is uh, happening right now? <laughs> yeah, it's like trippy man. Anyway, so I went on the gig and um and, and I was on it for 7 months. Stayed on the ship for 7 months and oh, that's wow. when, and that and that's on the on the ship as well learned to play the bass. So actually where I learned to play the bass. I had no clue really what I was doing before and went on that on that on that gig for 7 months, played every 7 nights a week, um like 5 hours a night. Like one of the best experiences of my life. It was great. Talk about on the job training. That's awesome that, yeah, it was wild. that is frightening but awesome it was frightening you know like a lot of people that i know though i'm sure that you're the same man like we've all had these sort of like incredibly shitty experiences Absolutely. and i think that it's just something you have to go through i think that like be under no illusion that you're going to sort of like want to be a professional musician and just sort of like skate through all of this if you right. are putting yourself into situations that you're not ready for which honestly you should be doing you should be putting yourself forward into into situations that you're not ready for like there is a good few you know uh, like handfuls of them situations where you can actually fall flat on your face yeah. and end up with a bloody nose and feeling crap about Guilty. it but, I've done yeah, that. exactly it's just it, it is what it is you know i've got other stories you know but it's um, that there's some of the funniest or, or the uh, the i guess the sort of like the most dramatic but yeah That's great, um, that's, man. That's how I got into bass, and and then obviously just worked as a pro musician from then. Got back to the UK, did a bunch of stuff, played with a lot of people. It was it was cool. <laughs> that's killer. What is uh? What kind of music do you love to play most? Ah, uh, when you sit down with the bass, what is what is just your jam? What do you go to? Uh, yeah, it's a great it's a great question actually. I think that um improvisational bass music is is my favorite because I can sort of I feel like I can explore harmonically and I kind of like just doing that, you know, I'm kind of a, like a bit of a theory I'm like a I guess sort of like a Yeah, I'm a bit of a theory nerd but not in the way that you might think. So like I found it incredibly hard to get into that when I was younger and 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 that actually came much later, maybe when I was like 23, 24 that I actually started getting into um harmony and theory and learning about that and learning about, you know, fancy scales that you can use and all, all of that. Did you take shit, lessons? Right? Did you take I've taken a lot of lessons with okay. a lot of one-offs basically. So yeah, uh, okay. yeah, just like a lot of one-offs. Um Yeah, I'm trying to think if I took any I took regular lessons with Gary Willis actually. Like oh, that cool. was uh, cool. Yeah, that was really cool. I used to fly out to Barcelona at uh, once a month and that's I actually I really wanted to go to music school when I was younger. Uh when I was, you know, when I that that moment where I was like I decided I was going to be a professional musician. I was like, "Wicked, I'm going to go to music school." So I went to the audition uh, which went really great actually. Did the audition and then they looked at me they were like, "Dude, you have no qualifications." I was like, <laughs> 
but but I can play. And they were like, yeah, we don't care. You need qualifications to get into the school. So I was oh, like, wow. oh, so I, I couldn't get into music school. Couldn't do like do a degree then. So, so I just, you know, I thought about it. I thought about really what, what it means to go to, to a music school or music college. And I was like, well, you know, what does it give you? It gives you great access to great educators, gives you access to a great community, gives you access to being able to like flex that muscle and sort of like getting, you know, getting amongst other musicians and play. I can do all that on my, on my own. So I moved to a city that had a great music school, moved in with a bunch of music students who were were at the school. I started flying out to Barcelona once a month to study with Gary Willis. And and the entire experience cost me about probably a 10th of what it would have done if I'd gone to music school. So I just sort of like, creating my own music school environment by, I guess, cherry picking what was really important for me and then just seeking that out on my own. Okay. That's awesome, actually. That's very, very cool and very smart, even if you didn't mean for that to be the purpose or the plan. uh, Yeah, well, it it was the plan. It was the plan when I didn't get in. When I didn't get in, I was like, oh, shit, I still need to learn from these people. So that's when I did plan it out. And then... And then alongside all of that, I also went and studied with some other great musicians. I went to New York. I studied with like Jeff Andrews for, for a short while, which was really phenomenal. And um, who else? Like Schoolie Sverison went and got some lessons from him, which was, so that Icelandic guy, the the the, the reason why I picked the bass up in the first place, actually went to his place in New York and like hung out and, and got to, I was like looking at the bass that I know that he played that. So I was like, oh, that's the bass. I was wow. like, that's the bass that made me pick up the bass. I was like, can I play the bass? And he was like, yeah, you can Did play, you play the bass. it. Awesome. Grab the bass. I sounded like shit. I was like, <laughs> it was this, it was a really interesting moment actually, because I knew I'd listened to that solo. I kid you not, maybe 500 times, like maybe more. And, and there it was the bass. And I was like, oh, and I was obsessed by the tone as well. I was obsessed by the tone of that bass was so good. There it was, and, I, and he like gave, picked it up, and he gave it to me. And then there was two things that happened straight away. I looked down, I was like, "Holy shit, the action's huge!" <laughs> it was massive. In my mind, I always thought he could play so fluently and so um, incredibly fast because it had a really low action. Yeah, not wrong. Wow. It had a high action, right? Wow. And then I started to play it, and I was like, "Oh no." I don't sound like him. I sound like me. <laughs> so it. It was a great ex- yeah, it was a great experience, so man. It was something that I'll uh, yeah. Those moments. Great experience. Man. Yeah, great experience hanging with him, but also a great lesson being able to pick up his bass and th- that had been so important in my past. And then that that realization of yeah, yeah, I mean it, it's not the bass dude. It's right. it's in his hands. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Yeah, good point. Wild. Good point. Yeah. All right. Chops field time how do you define these three concepts chops feel and time <sighs> chop well for me I'll, I'll tell you what initially kept comes to my uh, comes into my mind when I th- when I say the words chops for me is it's kind of about like facility on the instrument you know um and and when I think about the facility on the instrument I think about well see, there's a bunch of things I think about it's actually being able to play in a way where for me like having great chops isn't specifically about being able to play fast or like do that thing really for me having great chops 
is to is making sure that our bodies don't get in the way of the thing that we're trying to do. Ah. You know, being able to, because I think that looking at a lot of people when they play, sometimes if they're trying to play something, well, they've got all of the muscles that, you know, in their fingers and all of the tendons that the other, you know, players got, but maybe they can't, but why can't they like d- execute that same, that same line and all that same passage? Most of the time it's because other things are going on under the surface that, that, that are stopping them execute the line, stop their bodies getting in the way of them executing the line. And I mean, that sort of like they've, they're approach their hands are moving in maybe that like an incorrect way or their body and positioning is sort of like slightly incorrect. And, and, and the byproduct of that is it's kind of getting in the way of them doing something. So when I think about chops, I just think of, about developing a technique so we can all do the thing that we want to do, whether that's play a million miles an hour, great. But it's also sitting on one note and just playing that for the entire night and just feeling, you know, just like laying it down. That's also for me chops. And if that's what you want to do, mm-hmm. really great. And then when it comes to developing chops, that's an interesting thing as well, because obviously depending on what your end goal is, what you want to play like, you should be um, approaching the base with certain different exercises, you know? So if somebody wants to just sit on one note all night or play like James Jameson or do the thing, wicked. Well, then you shouldn't be shredding like these particular set of exercises all the time. You should probably be doing this thing instead. So I think, yeah, like I love the, uh, I love the concept of, uh, and discussion around chops and technique. What was the other one? Feel and time or feel and time. Feel and time. (gasps) Feel and time. So the two for me are really like interconnected. They're really, really connected. Yeah, feel and time. What comes to from, like to mind for me when I say the words feel and time is actually, I don't think like necessarily. If you'd asked me this twenty years ago, feel and time, I guess I would have said something about playing in time, not speeding up, not slowing down, like that kind of thing, right? Okay. And I think that for me. And hopefully, everybody listening, when you reach to uh, when you reach a certain level of musicianship, you kind of get the the good time thing locked in. Do you know what I mean like you're not going to speed up and not slow? Yeah, you might do. do you know what I mean, but it's not you're not going to like everybody does speed up and slow down at certain depending on what they're playing and and stuff like that. But I think that to a certain extent, you kind of like that's locked in. I can remember when I was like much younger, thinking, "Oh my god, am I am I am I rushing? Am I dragging? Do you know what I mean like that whole thing, or, yeah. or am I just slowing down? Which is a it's a separate thing. So am I slowing down? Am I speeding up? Um, which is separate to rushing and dragging, which we can talk about in a minute. But yeah, so the time thing, like it's something I do practice, getting a metronome and just you know and make sure that like, that clicks on the two and four, you know, clicks on the two, the clicks of the snare drum, and I'm playing grooves, and just really getting to feel comfortable with that and rich brown actually i don't know if you know rich brown the bass player phenomenal bass player but he's got some great um great exercises on that on his youtube channel rich brown go check it out i think his youtube channel is called the brownstone dude you should definitely have him on here oh he's so good rich brown might be my favorite bass soloist of all time okay dude he's a freak show i'm gonna check him out for he's, sure. a, he's a freak show man he's like oh my word what a he's bonkers anyway so but when it comes to feel that's where that's when i was when i was you know i mentioned it just just before that's sort of like where am i sitting within the beat you mm. know like on this i think about like when i think about it, i think of like a seesaw 
I can I can stand right in the middle of the seesaw. So the seesaw is kind of level, right? Both ends of the seesaw are at the same, um, have the same distance between them and the ground, right? Or I can walk to the left of the seesaw and naturally the right side of the seesaw will raise. Or I can walk in the other direction, right? And that for me is how I think about feel, like where I am within the actual um, within the beat, because we've got kind of like an obscure, I guess, um, perception of, of that, at least when we're learning and we're coming yeah. up, right? We think that these, there's, oh, we're in 4-4. Four, four. So there's these like four spots within the measure, <laughs> you know, and you're right. like, one, right. two, three, four. Yeah. But they're actually not, there's not four spots. There's four sort of like spaces. They're more spaces. And where you plonk your note on those spaces is your choice. You know, you can actually. Well, it determines can, how everything feels, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You can be playful where you, where you do that. And some people play naturally um, on the back of the beat. Some people play really sort of like on top of the beat. Um, Sting comes to mind. I can remember watching this live Sting concert and he was so in front of the beat. He was like, Vinny must have been sort of like, you know, like silently dying inside. But he was, <laughs> it's still a great example because like Vinny was just holding it rock solid, obviously. And Sting was just sort of like right on, you know, over the top of the beat. And then there's like dead center in the middle of the beat. And it's worth mentioning as well that I think that there's a, um, a notion that one is better than the other. Right. Oh, it's all about playing on the back of the beat. Mm-hmm. Or it's about being on the center of the beat. Right. And and it's not. I think that it depends on the musical situation. So I've played with um I've been lucky enough to play with some really fantastic tabla players. Um there's a really rich um like there's a lot like a lot called Bradford. I live, I live next to Bradford, really rich kind of like a sort of like Indian music scene within uh-huh. Bradford. And um, so I've played with some really fantastic world-class tablet players and awesome. they want you right on top of the beat. Oh, they want okay. like that, okay. which was very bizarre. Like yeah. I can remember starting playing with them guys and, and they were like, what are you, where are you playing? And I was <laughs> like, for me, I'm like, I'm just playing where I normally, and honestly, I kind of play sort of like in the center of the beat, if anything. Uh-huh. Um, but they just wanted it really on top of the beat, which was really interesting because at the time I was all about Pino Palladino. I was right. all about like, way, sort of like, way, way back. back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like well, hanging off the back end of the beat. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah. So when it comes to, that's my, I guess sort of like a breakdown of how I feel about chops, feel and time kind of. <laughs> they all, it, it makes uh, perfect <clears throat> sense and a very great way to, uh, explain it. I mean, you clearly have a passion for teaching and sharing information in a way that moves the needle and gets players out of their rut. So where does that drive come from? Um, I think it, um, so a couple of different places. First, my dad, my dad, like was, a. um, was he a great teacher? He he did teach a bit of God. My dad, some I just my background. My dad was a bus driver, and then he yeah. and then he worked in a factory for his entire life. And my mom worked behind a till, and and they uh, and my dad especially just like kicked my ass. There's not one day I don't think that my dad didn't say this right. He was like, "Don't you dare end up doing something with your life that you hate. You've uh. got to because you're going to do it every single day." Excellent You're going to do advice. it every single day. So make sure that you love the thing that you do. 
And I kid you not, I think he said it every, I think that he said it multiple times a day. <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely sank in, right? But what he did, he was actually um, like a, a pretty decent golfer and he was a great teacher actually of golf. So a lot of the pros in the area used to come and get lessons from my dad, even though he was sort of like, didn't have like a professional golf background. He was actually really great at teaching golf and, and could spot people's faults. And I just sort of like watched my dad teach. He had a, like a really great respect for teaching. I can remember him talking about it saying, you know I mean, like it's, it's a really great thing to be able to communicate in a way that people absorb things differently. I said, it, it was like really pushing this sort of like, you know, we can all teach, but we, it's, it's how you package it up. It's, it's really it's, not it's, easy to do. It's not it's easy, not to, easy do. to do. Exactly. I am uh, a terrible teacher. I am a terrible teacher. But well, you, I think it depends on how you learn. So right. at least uh, this is my this is my opinion, right? So and I could be wrong, but this is at least my sort of like the lens that I'm. History has led me to believe through my experience that it's actually it comes down to how you learn. So if you are and I am not, and I'll t I'll tell you how I learn in a minute. So if you are a very like a, like a, a natural. Um, if you find music very like easy or an, it's natural to you and you don't approach it in a very analytical way and instead it's more about doing it and it's just sort of like very sort of like grassroots you're in there doing it and it's and man and I'm talking about like most players actually most professional yeah. players I would actually say are, are, are like more that way which is why when you ask somebody how do you do that thing they're like I have no clue because it just really happened through osmosis and through just sort of like doing it. Um, so I think that people that have had that, um, like more of that ex like kind of experience find it harder to break down what they're doing because they've never thought about it like that. I can remember right. like a year ago, like sitting with um, you know, Hadrian Furrow, a great French bass player. Um, yeah. So I was like sitting with Hadrian, I was like asking him about his technique and arguably he has the scariest technique on the planet. Uh, and he was like, nah, yeah, like I never really used any technique exercises. And and, he, and I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, I did, didn't. He was very unanalytical analytical in the way that he approached learning actually, yeah. which I found really fascinating. On the flip side, myself, I'm like the, uh, I, like it, it's just crazy. I'm like a, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's like so OCD when it comes to sort of like being analytical. I'm so yeah. analytical. I'm so like everything is, I can tell you how I've learned everything, where I got that line from, what album I heard, then what did I do? How did I figure it was out over what chord? Da, 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 da. I've like, I <laughs> so, am sort of like, it's, so, it's like a, it's a health problem, dude. It's like, <laughs> it's does that, like, does uh, that, a, um, is that your whole life or is that just music or bass or? I mean, are you overanalyzing everything from the coffee that we're drinking right at this moment? Or at least I am. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. Cheers, by the way. Oh man, I'd love a coffee. But if I, if I had one now, I wouldn't sleep tonight. Um, <laughs> it's actually not in everything that I do. Okay. But it, but it's, it's, it's in everything that I'm obsessed about. God. And I'm really obsessed. That makes sense. Yeah. Again, like unhealthily obsessive. No, so, that's, that's part of your drive, man. That's part of your thing. It, it is. But like, if you ask my wife about it, she'd be like, no, nah, he's just completely insane. Anyway, <laughs> but so, so I, when I was like into bass, I was like, and I'm, I'm still into bass now, but I was so, so analytical, analytical about it. And then like, as I go through and I've got older, when things I'm, I've got into, um, or areas of life that I've got into when I'm into it, I'm, I'm like all in, like I will bleed for it. It's so 
yeah, it's it, it's incredibly uh, frustrating sometimes because sometimes I wake up in the morning at like five o'clock in the morning because sometimes you wake up, sometimes you need to pee, dude. I'm like 44 this year. Sometimes you need to pee in the night. So I'll wake <laughs> up, right? And the only thing that I'm trying to think is like, don't start thinking about anything. Don't. Oh. Like, cause, because especially not anything to do with, like anything to do with SBL or like building businesses or anything like that. Like uh-huh. that's where a lot of my focus goes now. So I'm like continually saying in my mind, do not start thinking about this thing. Cause yeah. as soon as that, it's like, it's like lighting a barrel of petrol. It's like, oh boom. gosh. Okay. Yeah. Well, you need that though. That, I mean, that, that lights your fire. Oh man, I'd, I'd have it no other way. I absolutely love yeah. it. Like it, it comes with it comes with issues, but 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 I love it. I, I think yeah. that it's uh, wild and it makes it uh, makes learning really fun. Got you. You have access to some of the greatest instruments and amps in the world. Um, what are your favorite personal gear choices? Oh, um, I, I really like P, but I'm so shit when it comes to gear. I'm so shit, dude. I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, like Ian Allison, right? He's so cool when it comes to gear. I'm, I'm like the opposite. I'm just like, uh, so, but I have, I have got an answer. I'll tell you what, like I dig out, like, cause I've got a few bases. Um, I've got a few bases. Interestingly, um, before and, and even like a long time into SBL, I, I had very minimal bases. So when I, when I was working full-time as a pro musician, um, I had one bass. That's all I had. I didn't want any other basses. I just wanted to keep it simple. I had one bass and and played that one bass for seven years. And then I swapped that out. And then I played another bass for four years and then started, you know, teaching online and stuff like that. And and then really found found P basses. I kind of got into P basses. So it was a very, it's a very strange. Um, I guess sort of like way that I got into them. I was I was like putting videos online and 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 at the time it was everybody was playing like uh, five string basses with a high C, you know that was the thing. Like yeah. Tony Gray, Yannick Guizdala, Chris Tarry, um, like there was a bunch of really fantastic and and really fantastic and really talented bass players that were, that were doing the whole online thing, all of them together, right? And then along I came and I was like, you know, they were all freaking cool. I wasn't so cool. I was like, you know, <laughs> they were all living in the States in New York and LA and stuff and hanging and do, I, dude, I was like, yeah, I wasn't there. And uh, so I was like, hmm, I have to, I, I, I can't be a real shit version of them. That was very <laughs> apparent. I was like, there's two options here. I can, I can either try and be a, a crappy version of those guys, not smart, or I can just completely differentiate what I do and, and do something else. Okay. When it comes to the online thing. So I looked at sort of like, in, in that moment, I was like, well, what's the opposite of what they all do? And the opposite thing is a P base. And honestly, I actually hated P bases, but I was like, yeah. Maybe I just need to fall in love with the P. Maybe I should just get a P base and do it on the P base. And I can remember getting a P base and a friend of mine that was working with me at the time, he was like, what are you doing? He was like, what? Like, it was, just, it was like alien. You've got to remember that this was before the whole P base fashion thing. Nobody was playing P bases. So I was like, yeah, dude, I'm going to play a P base. And he was like, why? And I was like, because everybody else is playing them things out. And I don't want to be a crap version of them. I need to sort of like be different. I need to play this P base. So I started playing P bases fell in love with them so if the p bases I've how got, long I've did you them. court the p base before you were just like okay I oh yeah you. i, I love sort you. of like became a bit of a task and that's so of late i've been sort of over the last two maybe like a year or two i've been sort of like a bit tarty and playing sort of like lots of lots of different bases but i had like <laughs> i did the p base thing for um 
maybe like seven or eight years, I think, of just just playing P bases, like nice. pretty much on all my videos. Yeah. And then, and I've got like I've got a, a custom shop that I really love. Um, I've got a an Alinto P base that I really love. I've got a Moulin P base that I really love. I've got a another Fender custom shop P base uh, made by Vincent Van Trigd. Oh, there's really great. He's a great, a great player and a great maker as well. He he works in the, the custom shop. Not only that, and he's got a great, great name. I mean, that's Vincent really Van Trigged, right? He's, I think he's, I think he's Dutch, but he actually lives in. Um, he's he's actually working in the uh, the custom shop in LA now. Very cool. So he's doing that. But he's he's a great. You should you should get him on as well, man. Uh, Be great. He's so like it. he yeah he makes some bases for some like he's actually just made one for for sort Fernanda Rosa. He's made one for recently. Um, what's the the Aquaman dude? You know, like the oh big, oh yes yes. Uh, what is his name? Well, I don't know. Like I try and shield my wife's eyes every time he comes on, on TV. I'm like, <laughs> I did no the same thing. You oh, can't see you that. Both, Close those you eyes. Look at that muscular form. <laughs> It'll get you. To, I mean, like it's like, what are you even doing? <laughs> but that guy, he plays bass and he's got one of Vincent's. He's like, yeah. But anyway, so. You should definitely get him on the show. So I've got the P bases and then I really like F bases as well. I've got a couple of F, F bases, which are really BN5. I've got a BN5 and a BN4. <gasps> the BN5 is really nice. I think that beautiful. F bases do, yeah. Like I think they do like really great bases. And I like F bass because they've got a vibe as in like, they're not trying to be everything to all people. They're like, oh, this is what we do. This is what we do, yeah. Yeah. You can you can take it or leave it, but this is what we do. I love that, man. I was like, I like how many shapes do you do? One. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's my vibe. Uh, so I've got, yeah, a couple of F bases. And then I've also got um, a nice um, old Ken Smith four string as well, which was actually made by Vinnie Federa when he worked for Ken Smith, which is really nice. And then awesome. and then in terms of like other bases that I like, I like them all. Dude, I like them all. Like Federa's and Ken Smith's and, oh, I like them all, but yeah. Right on. My, what des- about my Desert Island base though would be a P base. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Any particular year? Um, no, not necessarily. Just one that do you know, like some of them play great. I actually did yeah. the one of the best. In fact, maybe the best P bass I've ever played. I bought it to do a giveaway. I was doing a giveaway, so I was like, "Oh, it wouldn't be cool if we gave away a '60s P bass." So I bought this '60s P bass, and damn, it was so good. <gasps> And he gave it away. I'm a man of my word. I just thought, <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna have to give it away. But I really thought at one point I was like. Should I just keep this one and then we'll do the giveaway with another one? But I was like, no. <laughs> you could have just given it to yourself. Yeah, I, I gave it away it to, to me. Yeah. To me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could have given it to you. Yeah. 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 And, and then you were asking about amps as well. Um, I play, I've got um, a Trickfish head and um, oh, cool. some Trickfish cabs. Really like them. Um, Desert, I've got a B15, Ampeg B15, which I really like. Desert Island uh, amp and cab would be Ampeg SVT and, and a six by ten. Oh, <laughs> you know, okay. so, yeah, like I really okay. like valve. I, I like the sound and feel of valve stuff. I like this that it's like a little slower in terms of like the attack time, mm-hmm. in terms of like a transistor um, kind of amp. So yeah, like valve, yeah, nice. Like that vibe. Nice. What about you, dude? What about you, man? Man, I've been playing um, some Music Man basses that. I love. Yeah, I've been using. You did that thing with the dark glass thing. Oh, yes. How cool was that? How I cool had, was that video, man? Oh, I so I uh, had a great time doing that. That was so much fun. That bass is yeah. very very cool. Have you played it? I haven't. No, I haven't. The video looks obscenely cool though. It gets <laughs> it gets 
just disgustingly dirty, which really? I love. I love myself, but I don't love myself. I mean, I love that. I love you, myself. dude. <laughs> <laughs> There's also sort of like saying that, like, if you don't love yourself, you'll never love anybody else. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm- to work on that honestly i've been working on that recently i've been thinking about stuff i need to be i'm actually i'm not sure about you but i'm kind of sort of like i'm a little bit of a a, like a critic when it comes to myself and i've just like recently over the last year i've been thinking try and think that you're cooler try and think that you're cooler i'm sort of like because i'm totally not that guy i'm like the opposite Uh, i think i think that's a great quality actually you know you have the confidence but uh you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Hey, Story, do you want to come and say hello to Josh? Yes, please. Do you want to come and sit and get on the podcast? We're filled. It's, it's tea time. Oh, it- we can't cook. Oh, is she dying? She's dying. She's Hi. dying. Hi, how are some, you? Some, we're doing a podcast. Oh, good. This is Josh. How are you feeling? So- oh, no, he hasn't got COVID. Yeah. He's oh, good. Oh, oh, it's, oh, oh, okay. It's yeah. my daughter. Oh. Are you hungry? Huh? Are you hungry? Yeah. Right, tell mummy I'll be 15 minutes and you, then I'm gonna... you said you'd be half an hour at lunchtime. Oh, no, we are, we're ages. almost done. We're uh, almost done. Yeah, very nice <laughs> so to meet to you. Story. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, SPL has grown, I mean, enormously. You have a star stud yeah. staff of instructors, IG, Instagram, YouTube channels, guest contributors. Um, it's been the leading resource, really, for all things base. Um, was yeah, that your initial intention? No, no, like, no, like my initial attention was sort of like, gosh, I need to pay the rent. Um, <laughs> I, I actually, I, um, I had a play in, I, I, I developed a thing called focal dystonia, which is why I need to wear these gloves on my hands. I've normally got some gloves knocking myself. I have to wear gloves on my hands. But the, the, the headline to, to that was I, I, I was going to find it incredibly hard to actually function as a professional musician anymore um, and had to take a bunch of time off. And in that time off, I I couldn't pay the rent. And I was like, oh no, can't pay the rent. And somebody said, hey, you need to check out this thing called YouTube. In, in like Not to like put lessons on. Yeah. It was like, you should check out. He just knew I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't working. Then he was like, guys, oh, you can check out this like thing called YouTube. Um it's you can watch all, like concerts on it and stuff like that that you've probably listened to when you were a kid like van halen's on there and i was like whoa and i was like yeah sounds cool <laughs> so i went around to the internet cafe because i didn't have a computer at the time this was like just for context it was like 12 11 years ago 12 years ago okay so i went around to uh this internet cafe and sat and watched van halen videos for a while and i was like i wonder if anybody's putting bass lessons on here so put some uh typed in bass lessons and um and, and there was this guy called marlo dk shout out to marlo dk he came up and then there was nobody else really on there there was like a random australian guy that was on there but there was nobody doing it and i thought well maybe i can put like i can play a little bit at the time i could play like i wear the gloves and play a little bit i could maybe like record some lessons put them on youtube and then i'll say hey you know i do skype lessons and you can hit me up for a skype lesson or something like that and i'll, I'll you know teach you and that's how it started so did that and then did that for you know like a while and then at some point you know maybe like a year or two in i saw a video on youtube and he said how to how to run an online business or or how to start that was it how to start an online business i was like "Mm, well i'm kind of doing that with youtube and i was like i'll watch this video i watched the video i was like oh shit i could do that for base uh, and and then I just got everything in the video and applied it to what I was doing. 
Um, and it and worked. That, and it worked. Yeah. Like it's, it's been a journey, dude. Like that was like an, yeah. Like I like really, I kind of did do what he said in that video, uh-huh. but then I went on like a decade of learning. So I've re- like learned a lot about business. Um, and that's become like a real obsession for me of like building the business and hiring the team and, and doing that whole thing. And it's been, it's been the journey of a lifetime. It's, it's, you know, it really has, like, I think I've just been so, I, I never saw it coming ever. I just didn't see it coming. I saw this thing that happened to my hands. It's like a really negative thing but yeah. off the back of it changed my life. And, and, and I, if I could rewind, rewind time and, and sort of like, you know, uh, do a magic spell and, and, and that, that, that gave me the ability to not lose sort of like part of the function of my hands and stuff like that. I would uh-huh. never do it. I'm glad that that happened to me like, yeah. like a hundred times over. So yeah. And it's been a journey and just continuing on now, like we're, you know, growing a great team, which has been like just the whole learning experience, like how to grow a team. Well, like I just, like, I had no clue, you know, we've, we've got 35 full-time team members. Wow. It is, 35 full-time dude like and, that's amazing yeah that's we work amazing. with and, like outsourced agencies as well and it's a whole like machine and it's been a an amazing experience learning how to build it and it's there are just and it's made me just the more i learn about it, it's like one of them things isn't it like the more you learn about something the more you realize you don't know and and that has just again been my experience through building scott's base lessons is the more i learn about it the more i i learn i don't know and the more um the more just kind of just love i have for other people that are, that are building these amazing businesses out there knowing how hard it is you know yeah. like being there and chewing on the glass right. of like you know like i think what, what did like elon musk said like being an entrepreneur is like it's i'm gonna butcher what he said but he said it's something like it's like staring into the abyss while chewing on glass and it is a little bit like that as in sort of like it's you are looking it's to sum it up it's sort of like it's incredibly um exciting and incredibly uncomfortable all the same time because i'm really aggressive in in terms of the goals and what i'm what i'm shooting for uh-huh. and and because of because i'm really aggressive with that growth that i want and 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 where i want to drive us to it just means that i'm always uncomfortable every single day <laughs> i'm doing stuff that i've never done before and pushing myself to have conversations that i've not had before and mm. and, and that whole thing so it's pretty, but but to say all of that just in case it sounds negative at all i'm so blessed to be able to do this i'm like it's it changed my life it really did you're doing an excellent job man i, I tip my oh thanks man well, thanks i'm not, man. It's I'm not wearing wild. my hat today but i tip my hat <laughs> it, it's it's been wild it's been it's been a, such an adventure and and hopefully just the, the sort of like the start of it you know we're sort of i think that you know we, we've been doing it for about 10 years now like well probably like three or four of those was kind of me like solo doing it so like properly doing it sort of like six or seven years but yeah, yeah. really excited where, where we're going to take it over the next uh next decade or so it's gonna be i can't wild. wait to see what you do what do you feel is sbl's most important contribution uh, really giving people access to to be able to learn from um all of the the amazing musicians that we've got on the platform i think that it goes back to when i was when i was a kid i was trying to learn you know guitar at the time i used to go to the public library and try to see if they had any vhs videos uh, any new ones right and mm-hmm. um, and maybe they had one every 
every like three to six months, a new VHS video would come in and I'd get the VHS video and I'd take it home and I'd try and learn everything I could from it. And, and what we've done now, you know, is, is get that experience, but put it online and given, given people the ability to, Hey, you can learn from these people for like, you know, for, for like nothing, you know, yeah. for like, I don't know what yeah. it equates to maybe like 50 cents a day or something like that. So, you know, we, we were talking about Rich Brown. If you want to learn from Rich Brown, go do it. If you want to learn from John Patitucci, go do it. If you want to learn, I mean, if you want to learn from Jonathan Marin, who's one of my favorite bass players, go do it. We've got them all in the platform. If you want to talk to these guys live, we do like live streams every single Monday. You can go do it. I mean, it's just really- so killer. That's so um, awesome. Yeah, just really kind of sort of like opening up music education and bass education specifically right now for anybody that really wants to um, level themselves up, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of their- that music musicianship and their bass playing and uh, and make it accessible to as many people on the planet as possible and 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 i want to do that for all instruments that's what i want to do awesome i can't yeah. wait for that that'll be killer yeah. that'll be awesome that's it's all good, i can yeah, say about like, that awesome yeah like for me i'm like well how do we get adele to teach how do we get jesse J to teach st- stagecraft oh wow how do we get- okay you're going okay you're going broad how do we get Trent Reznor to talk about how he how he how he recorded his last album, how he thinks about it, how he break it down? That's that's where I want to go. Those are huge. They're huge, man. They're yeah. huge. I've got like a real belief that um, that well, uh, two beliefs. So I think that, and this is just personal to me. So take you know, if you're listening. I'm not saying this to you because it comes with the downside of you're always going to feel uncomfortable, which, you know, every single day you're going to be like, oh, I feel uncomfortable again. But for me, um, I just think that we should be um, just aiming as high as we can and Mm. milking, milking it for everything it has. And just like, like, like leaning into the experience of, of your life. And like, I don't know what's going to happen after this life is over. I'm sort of like, I'm, I'm not particularly religious, but I'm not not religious. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to find out on the other side what happens. And, and maybe there is something, maybe there isn't, but I'm not, you know, but maybe there isn't. So I am going to just sort of like really grab everything that I've got and try and live my life to the fullest and, 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 and try and put myself in situations where I'm always learning. So that's like one part of it. And then the other part of it, which is also more personal to me, is that I really want to work with a world-class team. And I think that when you want to work with a world-class team and like really world-class, like world-class people can go work for anybody. Yeah. They can work for anybody and they can get paid all of the money, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got to have something more than that. And I think that, when you've got a big vision and a big dream, if you want to build a world-class team around that vision and that, that dream, you've got to make sure that everybody else's dreams fit inside your, your dream. Otherwise, yes. it's not yes. big enough for them. So it's got to be big. Right. Dude, it's got to be big. It's got to be massive. You're inspiring me, buddy. <laughs> I love your spirit. Thank you so much for, for jumping on with us today. Um, oh, man. I, I think that everybody listening out there has learned something and definitely uh, been inspired by you. So thank oh. you. Thank you for hey, that. Th- thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me. And I'm looking forward to seeing sort of like, you know, all of the other artists that you have on this podcast. And I just want to thank you as well for your contribution to bass. I think that um, it is, you know, serving the bass community like you do is a, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a really amazing thing. And I think that like, I am uh, so 
just like so blessed. I feel so blessed to be part of the base community because I think it really is um, an amazing community. I think the like the music community as well online. I think that something interesting that that isn't talked about so much is how like music is probably the 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 the, the biggest sort of like collaborative art form in the world. Like it's 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 a collaborative art form. So right. I think that like community is really baked in to music. Like it's at the heart of music. And um, and it's not when you look at uh, different other art forms, it's not so it's not so community driven. So I think that um, that's why I think that the more people can give to the bass community and the music community, um, uh, you know, the more we can give, the better because it will bring bring other musicians together and also show them what can be done because all of this stuff is just made up. You know, all of these <laughs> all of these people yeah. that have done all of these amazing things. They were just they're just normal dudes who shit every day. It's all yeah. made up, right? So if anybody that that that's looking at at you know their heroes and who they want to be like, I just love them, love for them to understand that they can do it too within this community. And I think right. that it's uh, yeah. I'm just yeah, inspired to be a part of it, man. Amen to that. Thank you all for listening into the Bass Freaks podcast. We really appreciate you. Stay healthy, spread love, spread joy, kindness, good vibes, and inspiration. And remember, you got this. Follow your path, whatever it may be, and just play. Until next time, cheers. And a huge thank you to Dunlop for making this show possible. Make sure you check out Bass Freaks wherever you get your podcasts.